Hello, and welcome to the Monster Baby Podcast. We are taking a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. (laughs) Through the vast worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. The valleys and peaks of mindfulness and improvisation. My name is Lisa Rowland. My name is Ted Demaison. And today we tackle presence. Presence, being in the moment, being here, charisma. What that means, what it means individually, what it means in a group. There's some kind of cool angles on presence that I think go go beyond how we tend to think about being present. So mm-hmm. I think you'll like it. And uh, it may not be a set thing. Maybe it's something we can work on. So that's part of what we explored in the podcast. Yeah. And uh, heck, I don't think we need a whole lot more explanation. Let's just uh, let's get right into it. Get to it. Boom. Invented acronym ball, so you throw me an acronym and I tell you what it stands for, and I throw you an acronym. Oh, nice! So like I send you like uh, the PFT. That's the primary force technique, yeah. which you use. Uh, it's you don't even oh, have you to, don't have to explain. explain. No, you just tell me what it means. It's primary force technique. That's it. Yeah. 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 Um, Scandi. S C A N D I. Oh my God. Uh, S C A N D I. The South Carolina Association of New Developers Incorporated. <laughs> TBD. TBD is the uh, tuberculosis benefit uh, dystrophy. That's right. (laughs) Tuberculosis benefit dystrophy. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, ARC, A R C. The Alaskan Republicans Club. Mm. (laughs) A lot of guns in that club. (laughs) L F W. Uh, Late for work. <laughs> I've been so LFW, just chronically LFW. Chronically LFW, LFW, LOL. Mm-hmm. Um, WZT. Mm. WZT. Um, uh, uh, WZT. Um, the the World Zebra Tribunal. <laughs> Um, A very important gathering. KDLM. Kevin Durant uh, logged minutes. <laughs> Measuring, yeah. How many times does that happen? Yeah. yeah. Just got to check it to make sure check he's not KDLM. playing too much. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's good. KDLM's getting a little high <laughs> during the playoffs. Um, the SSF. The SSF. The Sherwood Sheriff's Foundation. Mm. PDT. (laughs) Um, Patrimonial delineation technique. (laughs) Technique. (laughs) The technique we have for patrimonial delineation. Yeah. Got to figure out who's the dad. Yeah. You could call it DNA at this point, but. (laughs) No, but um, no, there's a technique for that. mm -hmm. DBR. Delaware Bureau of R- Referendums. Mm-hmm. Referenda. Mm-hmm. K-N-T. <laughs> Keep knocking, Tom. <laughs> knocking with an N. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yep. Keep knocking, Tom. Keep knocking, Tom. Can I get in? No. K-N-T. T-T-T. The tri-tri... Okay. The triathlon training team. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I'm liking this... I don't know if it's a technique that you're using, but I'm 
watching you and when you pause or like stumble a little bit you you're opening your eyes wider it's kind of cool like oh you, you can maybe see more what's there what's there that's cool all right give me give me at least one more here one more mm. crw uh cannonball reach weekly <laughs> <laughs> It's a paper I subscribe. This is Circus. Yeah. It's Cannonball Reach Weekly. Cannonball Reach Weekly. Would you like one more? <laughs> no, I'm, I, I've, You're all set. I've had my fill. Okay, would you like OM? One no. Yeah, yeah great. Yeah. Okay, great. There it is. Uh, that's fun. I've never played that before. Yeah, it's a little... Would you, would you call it Acronym Ball? Yeah, I kind of made that up. Tim Moore. Ac- I, I got it from Tim. Acronymata? Acronymata? Acronymasium? Sh- yes. Yep, some more. We're we're in Lisa's house and she's got two cats and they're particularly curious. They're this really morning. doing some they're, interesting things. They're roaming around because she's about to go on a camping trip so and stuff uh, is all out and there's a there's a sleeping pad on the floor which they are convinced is a, a beast of some sort yeah. that needs to be very carefully watched. And one of the cats is over by the window stretching himself out, trying to, uh, well, who knows what he's trying to do, but he yeah. looks as if he's been hung from the window. Yeah. Uh, but it's very entertaining. So, if only you could see. Yeah, no, they're very great. Their names are Simon and Puck, and they're uh, just joys in my life. And it's a beautiful day in San Francisco today. Gorgeous day. Sunny and warm and lovely. And uh, hold on. Time out. Well, I realized that last time we. I just want to hold ourselves accountable because at the last po- gratitude podcast, right. we did both commit to keeping a gratitude journal. You are so right. And starting a gratitude practice. And it feels like we should just check in on that. How was yours? Totally consistent. I'm happy to report. Nice. Totally consistent and really fun. What, um, did you notice any changes as a result of it? Or? I know, did I notice changes? I actually didn't notice any changes as a result of it. Like mood-wise? I would like to say that I am now a happier, calmer person because of this. <laughs> I don't feel that. Mm-hmm. But it was a really nice way to end the day, to think back over over what the day held. And I started, I don't think I'll stop doing it. I think I'll keep going. I noticed that most of the, or a significant percent of the things that I'm grateful for are people. Hmm. Like individual people show up in my in my list. I just it, mine was very quick. It was like one, two, three, three items that I'm grateful for, and some of them were concepts, right? Hmm. And some of them were specific moments or conditions or people right. or right. The cats made it onto the list a couple times, um, and some of it was was broad, like you know, I'm grateful to have been born into the time and place that I was born into and the family that I was born into. And then some of them were very specific, like that chocolate. I'm grateful for that Mm. delicious chocolate I had after dinner. So. Uh, Did you elaborate on each one? Not very much. You just sort of named it. Yeah, I just just went through and named them. Yep. Yep. One, two, three. I have a, part of that is that I have a little book of days that has a space. There's just a little bit of space. And I was like, well, this is the perfect thing for me to keep these. Cool. And it also, I think the lower the barrier to entry, the more likely I'll keep doing it. And yeah. so I was like, just do it. You don't yeah. have to, there don't need to be paragraphs. You don't need a right. half an hour to do this. You need four minutes. Right. Yeah. I found, I was not as consistent, which was interesting to me because it, oftentimes with these things, I love to do them. And so it's just sort of natural. But there's something about the end of the day. I think when I'm ready for bed, I'm just ready for bed. Mm ready to go to sleep, but you gave a suggestion midway through about putting the journal 
right by your bed. So I would put it on my pillow. Yeah. So I'd remember. And then so when I remember. get in bed and it's like, oh yeah, just yeah. Do, do, the, do the thing and then. And I did, uh, I, I said, I am thankful for it, dot, dot, dot. And then I did three bullet points. And I usually wrote the thing and then one sentence of explanation because I wanted to get a little bit, what is it about that thing that I'm grateful for? Yeah. And I too found, I don't think mine were at people as much as for circumstances or opportunities or things that I enjoy. Although there were some, there were some people as well. But it, what surprised me was the variety, mm. just how much there is to be thankful for. Mm -hmm. And three felt like, you know, the the tip of the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. Right. We could just I could just go on for totally if I stop and notice. I mean, when you think about that exercise that we did, I'm I'm thankful that my I don't have a toothache. Right. Or whatever. Like you start thinking about all of the, all of the things that could be going wrong right now that aren't, and then and that's that's not just thankful for the way things are, but it's thankful for the way things aren't. Right. And then there's a countless number of things. Right. It could be so much worse. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So great. So just gratitude check in. I think I'm going to keep going. It's a nice practice. Yeah, I think I'll keep going too. Nice little moment to reflect on the day. It it definitely for me is the if the nights that I remember to put it on my pillow. I did it. Mm -hmm. The nights that I didn't. Uh. It also that like makes me realize how much behavior is shaped by environment. Oh my goodness! Yes. It's like I can stop being so freaking hard on myself when I don't follow through with stuff and think, well, how can I support an environment? Like, how can I change my environment to help support me doing that? So but, like, true. I am a a product of my surroundings, and so if you change the surroundings, you change the behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I took a course on positive reinforcement training this fall. Um, with a woman named Susan Friedman. It was online, but she's at Utah State. And that was one of the things that blew me away when we were talking about working with animals, trying to shape behavior, how significant environment is. You don't have to change the intelligence or the... You don't really have to teach anything. You just change the environment yeah. and make something obvious. Yeah. It'll just happen. Right. So this is a great example of it. Okay. All right. All right. So, okay, so coming back okay, to... Okay, so back to... We've covered that. We can, we've covered that. Knitted, not knitted, uh, tied up the bow on last episode. Yeah. Lisa Rowland, this is kind of an exciting podcast in that it is our... One year anniversary! One year anniversary. I don't... We don't have a song or anything. We're a monster toddler. This now. is... That's exactly what some... Another friend of mine said when I told them that we were... That the podcast was one year old. The they baby said, has turned one. And, wow, toddlers are different beasts. It's going to be interesting. Do you feel like the podcast is a different beast? Uh, I, I do feel like it's a little more refined these days. Hmm. Because we've sort of picked the low-hanging fruit uh -huh. for subject matter, and now we're getting a little more subtle. Although, maybe not this particular episode. This one seems pretty foundational. Because this, I've been waiting for this podcast. Oh. Like, I thought about this podcast way back at the beginning. This one feels like the most clear, deep, rich, obvious nexus between the worlds of mindfulness and improv. Yeah. So, Almost so big that it's like hard to know how to start talking where, about it. Yeah, where do you get in? And yeah. So, sort of well, so we're talking about presence, mm -hmm. to say the word, instead of just talking about the word. C-E, presence with a C-E, <laughs> as opposed to like Christmas presence. Yeah. Yes. I I have a place to start, That's which is... That's great, because it feels so big to me. Yeah. I'm not sure if quite you, how to start. Somebody comes into a room... And you think, dang, that person has presence. What are you talking about? Oh. What do they have? 
comfort. They seem comfortable. Comfortable with what? Where they are, themselves. They don't seem to be wanting to be running away. They seem pretty positive. Mm -hmm. They're not wishing things were different. They're not being judgmental. They're kind of like self-possessed. You're talking about somebody walking into a room and I see them walk into the room. Or you sense them walk into the room or yeah, just kind of like... Yeah, but not in conversation with them. Right. Catches your like, oh, wow. I, I, for me, there's like a, a grace in movement, a, a, a radiance. Mm-hmm. There's kind of a shine, like, and, and there's, a, there's a draw. Like, I want to be closer to them. Maybe I feel a little bit... Intimidated? Intimidated, but am I, am I worthy of that? But like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to be around them. Mm-hmm. And it's like they stand out wherever they are. I kind of know where they are in the room. I'm trying to think about the last time that happened when somebody walked in and I thought, oh, that person's got... An amazing presence. Hmm. They have an amazing presence. They're kind of dynamic. Mm-hmm. They're fun to watch. Mm-hmm. They seem engaged. They seem positive. Uh huh. This is—I forget who said it. Yeah, but you've—but you've heard this before. But there was somebody who was saying this is a quality that when actors have this on stage. They're compelling. Whatever they're doing, they're compelling, whether they're improvisers or rehearsed actors. Mm-hmm. But you know, they say, don't ever get on stage with a child or a dog because mm-hmm. you'll lose. Right. Because they're so present, present mm. and compelling to watch because of it. So that's interesting because I don't think that those two things are totally the same. Okay. But I don't know that the, I would say about the, that same person who walks in the room and strikes me. I don't know that... God, they have an amazing presence is equivalent to, wow, they are so present. Oh. You know? Okay. I think somebody can be really present. Without having Without presence. necessarily being an amazing presence. Like, without having their presence strike me. Can you... Because there's like a... Like, I think somebody can be actually very kind of quiet and observant and very present. And they wouldn't strike me upon entering a room. I think there's like yes. an extroversion or like an like a an outward you sense it outwardly somehow hmm. can you have maybe not like the Dalai Lama you know you hear has like right. an amazing presence without being big and a dynamic personality but can you have presence without being present I don't know yeah I want to say no but I, for me the um, this notion of somebody walking in a room is like it's kind of like you're saying they're they're where they are yeah you know, and it's just as compelling because I want uh, want to be around them. And they're magnetic. Yeah, this is a quality I think you have. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that um, you know, whenever you're on stage, or even at a at a party, or you know, hanging out with a fr- friends in a in the whatever, having dinner with a group of friends, it's kind of like uh, I kind of know where Lisa is. I kind of have a sense of where you are in the room, or like. There's like a little buzz or a hubbub or something's happening. Hmm. Um, but even when you're being quiet, it, it can be that. I know. I was like, is that because I talk too no, loud? No, no, no. <laughs> no, it's because there's a certain, like a, a regalness or a, a groundedness. Oh, now I'm a little embarrassed. Yeah, well. That's nice. Yeah. You're, you're yeah, it's dynamic. And then also when you're on stage, mm-hmm. like, and I know it's not just me that feels this way, but I, you know, you come on like, Ooh, what's she going to do? Hmm. Something's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I think is really cool about this is 
uh, I just got back from a week in New York City with Patsy Rodenberg, yeah, uh, voice and acting coach in the UK, and she talks a lot about presence and what she calls second circle. I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit here, but she talked about how this presence thing is not just God given or DNA given or luck given, but that it can be developed and you can do certain things to cultivate this way of being. And so, you know, as I watch somebody like you or try to embody this myself, like how much of this is, did I have, or did you have before being trained on things that make a difference with it? And then thinking about how fun it is to now play with these little levers or changes one can make posturally, attitudinally, breath-wise. Mm -hmm. In a mindfulness practice, how do you get your mind to stay in the present moment that then build that kind of presence? Mm -hmm. And I I feel like I have that presence when I'm teaching. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I'm up in front of a room and I'm talking with folks about, about mindfulness or about improvisation, I feel like they're, prob they're, they're probably going to listen. Yeah. Because I'm here connected with them. Yeah. More so than I used to be as a teacher. Uh-huh. And, and so I love this notion of being able to play with, we can ramp up our presence if we want to. Yeah. And so then how do you go about doing that? And when you say that, you mean become more present. Yes. Well, both. So that, right, Bo those two both. things, it's like interesting what that interplay is. That's right. Because for me, when you think about presence, when I think about presence from an improv standpoint, I don't think about somebody having presence. I think about somebody being present. And that's about paying attention and not missing anything and, and, and having the, the sort of catching it all and being able to play with it all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when you're really present, your mind is not somewhere else. Right. Your mind is right there. But that doesn't have to do with posture. Well, maybe it does, but it's not, but it's not, rather, maybe posture would affect that, but yes. it's like, I don't know, it's a, it, it's different than cultivating my presence feels different than learning how to be present mm -hmm. to me, but maybe, maybe ultimately it would, they, they would lead to the same, they would lead to the same place. This is, this is what I've been so fascinated by since I was in New York, is the ways that, like we're talking about environment, shaping behavior, right? Yeah. That when we set ourselves up physically, these qualities of being can happen naturally, uh -huh. right? So um, maybe maybe I'll, I'll just describe these three circles of presence. You know some about them too, yeah. so you can let's let's build this together. But so Patsy Rodenberg talks about three circles of presence, three ways of being, three attitudes, and first circle is this kind of turned in on itself, hiding. Uh, shoulders curled in, head pointed down, pelvis back a little bit, knees locked, maybe toes pointed in. Uh, asymmetrical, maybe. A asymmetrical, yeah, great. And it has this quality of being removed, and it's a little bit fearful, or maybe a lot fearful, but doesn't want to be seen, just wants to be left alone. Is it necessarily f fearful? Not necessarily, but often so. Okay. Often so, okay. And then third circle is like, an energy coming into a room, just spraying yourself yeah, everywhere. Bigger than life. To sucking up the oxygen. On, on, on display, performance mode. Right. Yeah. And so can be um, compelling and interesting and entertaining, but it's like lacking a certain substance because it's a bit more bluster. Mm -hmm. And this would be... Kind you know, of like a puffed up like shell. I, yes. That's, that's, yeah. Puffed up is a great word. Yeah. So like this would be chin up and kind of shoulders out, maybe pelvis forward, you know, kind of... the tough guy you know like what well, you'll forget about it you know mm -hmm. whatever this kind of thing and then second circle is this place in the middle 
that is balanced, grounded, resilient, open, willing to be changed, willing to change, willing to be in conversation, and, you know, knees soft, hips above the balance point of the feet, maybe just a little bit forward on the balls of the feet, chin parallel to the ground, eyes open, and, you know, sort of forward. Like neutral. Neutral. And a willing neutral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so... Like mountain pose. Yes. Yes, like mountain pose. I the, One of the tweaks that we had this week that was new for me, so I've, you know, known about Second Circle for four years now, and I've been playing with it. I used to try to balance about 50-50 on my heels and the balls of my feet after I learned this. Before that, I, almost all of my weight I'd hold on my heels with my knees locked. And then so it came forward a little bit. And then this week, it was like, okay, let's come forward even a little bit more. So now it's like 65-35. And it puts me in this ready position, mm-hmm. which feels like the ideal position for improv. Mm. You know, if we're playing a circle game, sound ball or something, what's, or, if, or if you're in the wings. Or if you're waiting in the wings, ready to go in. What's the position that you can stand in that will cultivate a readiness? Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how changing that posture creates the condition of like, I feel ready. Cool. And it creates uh, it creates a second circle attitude of openness, curiosity, kindness, support. Yeah. Right? Just by standing in that posture, like, here I am. I'm, what can I do to help? What's mm-hmm. needed? Mm-hmm. And it's not about me. It's not about protecting me because I'm not fearful hiding away. I'm not fearful pushing other people away. I'm just yeah. here with what is. Mm-hmm. And that notion that the physical way we hold ourselves cultivating our our emotional and attitudinal reality. Yeah. Oh my lord. Yeah. And you can uh, kind of set your you can you can kind of get some things on your side by putting your body in that position. Yeah, I like you how can, you, said you that, can yeah. help you can help the process along. Right. Yeah. And then what can happen because of that? And so you know, if I'm if I'm ready and open and connected, I'm noticing things. Right. I see when somebody's upset or when something I say has a ripple that looks like maybe it hurt yeah. or yeah. stung or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, your body talks to your brain. So if your body is in a position of fear, disengagement, closed off, protection, whatever it is, it sends this message to your brain like, I... I don't want to call attention to myself, right? You go, you go inward. I mean, I feel like so much of this is kind of tied to this sort of primitive yes. predator-prey yep. situation. And so a lot of the work that I do with speech skills, which is all about developing what, what we call visible credibility. It's all about showing up in a cool. way that indicates I'm credible, you can trust me. Mm-hmm. I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And there's all these nonverbal communication cues that go into doing that. But one of the things that we talk about is taming adrenaline and how you have to meet your adrenaline in your body rather than with your mind. You can't talk yourself out of adrenaline response because it's based in this limbic system, right. which is older than language. So it doesn't it doesn't respond to your reason, but it responds to your physio- like your physiology. Yeah. So that if you get bigger, if you balance out, and you put your shoulders back, and you strength, you know, you strengthen your spine. You ha- you send this message to to that system that says we're fine. I'm under no threat here. Interesting. It's okay. I'm relaxed. You breathe yeah. into your belly, so it's not re- it's not poised to fight. Right, which it's would be like, kind of third circle. Which is kind of third circle, and it's not poised to flee, which is kind of first circle. Right. But it's just like I'm under no threat. Mm-hmm. I'm fine. Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable. You know, you breathe deep into your belly. You keep your eyes on the horizon. 
You keep your, your head level, you're balanced and symmetrical, and all of that feeds back into that system. It's like, oh, she doesn't need any more adrenaline. It's cool, call it off. And that can help you get your body chemistry on your side. And then, and then you can be even more present. And then you can be more present. You feel more confident and on top of things. Right. And that's borne out in a TED Talk by Amy Cuddy. Yes. Which is on power positions. Right. That if you stand in a space-taking way for three minutes, you have higher levels of testosterone at the end of that three minutes and lower levels of cortisol, which is your stress hormone. And the opposite is true if you stand in a closed-down right. way. You sit in a closed-down way. Yeah, and I, I used to tell my kids about that when I was teaching, about if you're preparing for a test and you're sitting like with your knees, you know, like hunched over a desk, you're setting yourself up to be more stressed when you go in to take that test. Yeah. And it's not that you would take your test standing like a, you know, Leonardo da Vinci man like on the wheel. a flying squirrel. Flying squirrel. <laughs> Which is a little bit less of a majestic image <laughs> than Leonardo da Vinci's. Right. Man. But you're not going to come in and you're like, I've got the answer. Right. But if you stand that way for two minutes in the bathroom beforehand, you're going to... You can make your these brain hormones. work a little better. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's interesting because the I think that Patsy Rodenberg's work has some overlaps with Amy Cuddy's work. She And Amy Cuddy is a professor at the Harvard Business School. Yeah. Who's studied this stuff. Um, of like behavioral psychology. That sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so there's overlap. But just being big could be third circle. It depends on how you're being big, yeah. right? And so there's this finding this this balance, which I, I liked how you were describing. What, what's the visible credibility? Visible credibility. Yeah. That you're authoritative, but not domineering. Which, by the way, is a speech skills term to give credit where credit yes. is due. It kind right. of create, that created that concept of mm-hmm. visible credibility. And, and those workshops all play with that. And and you, I think you used the word approachable. Uh-huh. And this is one of the things about Second Circle that she Patsy often talks about is if you're in some foreign place you don't know where to go or you you feel under threat and you're going to look to find somebody in a crowd to help you you're going to turn to the person who looks like they're in second circle yeah because they feel safe yeah you know grounded and and you can approach them you don't feel afraid of them they seem relatively confident but they don't seem over overly arrogant or whatever yeah and and resilient as well sort of like a the way that a tree is rooted but can blow in the wind. It's yeah. not so rigid that it's going to snap. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's so many so many overlaps and, and interweaves. But the the notion of choosing a posture, cultivating an attitude, it's it's another way to help reset our defaults, mm-hmm. our defaults, our defaults. <laughs> oh wait, no, I know something about this. That's cool. Here's the thing. Okay, now I'm going to try to remember it. Words like that. Words like default mm-hmm. and default. Where the emphasis falls on the word determines whether it's a verb or a noun. Oh. So. Default is a noun. Export and export. Yeah. Wait, is that one? Yeah. Oh, sure. produce and produce. Sure. There were, e- there were so many of is them. A, export is a noun. Export is a verb. Progress. And progress. Is a verb. Progress is a noun. Yeah. Produce is a verb. Produce is a noun. So is it the first syllable? If the emphasis is on the first syllable, it's, it's a, a noun. noun. Seems like it, yeah. Interesting. Your default is a is thing a you have. We default on to this yeah. pattern, yeah. Oh, very interesting. Cool, right? So if I say your name, Lisa, it's a I verb. I think you're taking it too far. <laughs> <laughs> what would it mean to Lisa? I don't know. We'll have to, I don't know. That was an interesting question. <laughs> oh, 
yeah, I know I've been lisawing for you know three years now. Yeah, whatever that means. It means I think it means to develop your presence. <laughs> okay, great, <laughs> great. I'll take it. Um, anyway, time. End that's of, cool. End of end parenthesis. Close parentheses. Uh, and Noel, that's for you, by the way. Yeah, Noel like and that. Anna. She, I'm sure she already knows it. Our, our word friends. Prawls. Okay, so that's there. We can change our defaults. I, I well, I just like that we can do that. I feel that like idea of like the the case that we put ourselves in yeah. says something about what happens inside and rewires our brain, rewires our way of being. I feel like that's a lot of what we talk about on the podcast is uh-huh. noticing what are what are our defaults, defaults, <laughs> <laughs> and then sw- trying to switch them up to fit more of what we want them to be. Yeah, you know, I just, it's so cool when that happens. I noticed the way that this posture stuff also affects breath. When we breathe more, of course, we're getting more oxygen, so we can think more clearly, we get better ideas, we're less fearful, again, telling the system we're fine, everything's Mm -hmm. fine. And it was astonishing to me how this little, you know, half a degree tilt in my feet changed the sound of my voice. Mm. And so, you know, if I was back here and I can't, I don't know if it's going to show up on the yeah. This, but, um, well, here I'll show you. So I'm I'm standing up now, so I'm further away from the microphone. But um, if I'm back on my heels and I count one, two, three, four, five, versus if I come forward one, two, three, four, five, there's a different resonance in my voice when I'm here on the balls of my feet. How can we know that that's not you doing that because you're expecting a change? Great question. Right? It's like the power of psychology. It's fair, like, it, could it question. be a placebo effect? That if you were told that the opposite were true, maybe it would be. I mean, you know, right. kind of yeah. for the sake of discussion. The way I would answer that is that I saw it enough with people who didn't know it was coming. Ah, okay. Right? So it's like, tell me what your normal is. Show me what your normal is. Just say one, two, three, four, five. Now make this change. Now mm-hmm. say it again. Yeah. And time and, the and time was again. There. And... And for me, it was being able to feel it in my chest yeah. and in my belly and back. Like, oh. oh, there's my voice. That's cool. You know, and what we have when we are present and open in this second circle of presence, we have a different voice. Uh-huh. It's like we're not trying to hide, right? We're, we're willing to be vulnerable. So it's like, this is what my voice really sounds like. Yeah. And when I was talking that way, and in the days since, as I've been trying to play with it and pay attention, it's like, oh, I like this voice. Uh-huh. This voice has more range. I can. Well, I suppose it like has more of you in it. That's right. There's just more in it. Yeah. It's, it's richer. It's more engaged. It's more. Yeah. There's more of it that shows up. And if we, it's like this. Na- speech is this natural thing, yeah. right? Like we breathe in. What are we going to do with that breath? Well, speaking is one thing we can do with it. Yeah. And so if it's free, then it's this, this statement of like, okay, I'm here. I exist. And now let me be wise with my speech. Right? So it's in, in Buddhism, right speech involves telling the truth, being kind, yeah. and knowing whether or not to speak. Yeah. Is this the right time to speak? Uh-huh. Um, and then so we might add in like, what's the right way to speak? Like physically, you know, how do you carry yourself? So I just, I'm just digging this. To cultivate your presence. That's right. Right. To choose to be here, to choose to connect. Yeah. You know, to choose to say, I'm going to participate in what's happening around me. Yeah. 
And then there are times where I don't want to. Yeah, right. I don't want to. I like. I actually just want to be by myself. Yeah. But even then, it's like, can I be in second circle relationship to myself? Can I be open, curious, relaxed, grounded in the way that I'm talking with myself or listening to myself? Yeah. I just uh, so so the the, the the posture, the breath. This is all like all wrapped in, and it's this big melange of yeah. You're presence. turning it all around. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. There's this part of me that's maybe it's because I don't feel like I on a regular basis pay that much attention to where my weight is mm-hmm. or how I'm breathing. I don't feel like I've, but it's hard to say, right? I started improvising. I started doing theater so early Mm -hmm. that I've been performing since I was in kindergarten and you know consistently since I was in like third grade play school plays and then youth theater companies and musicals and the whole thing and singing and whatever so maybe that training just sneaked in and I didn't notice it but so there's a part of me that's like I am exhausted thinking about you wanting to relax and wanting to be in second circle like I'm like geez when do you just get to like lie on the couch and not give a fuck (laughs) <laughs> oh, that was close. I don't know why I just stopped that F-bomb from coming out, but like, yeah. not care if, right, if you're right. in second circle or not. Like, let just be where you are, right, you know? Right. Like, there's an element of like, when are you off the hook? Yeah. When do you get to not worry about it? Oh, I think... But maybe I guess what you're saying is is cultivating a, a default. That's right. That is... Just open to whatever's there, it's and if open. it's like wanting to be at home, it's being home. So it's like an attitude more than a right. con- like a constant c- consciousness of it. Yeah, and and in the process of creating that default, I think it takes more. Yeah, of course. Conscious yeah, intentionality. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and so I don't think we've talked about this this sequence of, of learning, but I learned it a, a bunch of years. Consciousness Yeah, yeah. We start with. Unconscious incompetence. We don't even know that we're doing not doing something. Or yeah, doing we don't even. We're not. Poorly. We're not. We don't engage with the fact that we don't have this skill. Yeah, and then we learn that we don't have it, and then we're consciously incompetent. And it's it's like, uncomfortable. Oh, we don't like oh, that. Shoot! Uh, wow. And then we have to go through conscious competence of I'm trying to do this. I'm playing with it. I'm experimenting, and eventually we get to unconscious competence where it just is happening. So okay. So this is interesting because we were talking about how you, in my opinion, have this kind of presence, and yet you're saying. You've never trained for it that you're that you remember. I've never consciously thought I'd like to I'd like to cultivate my presence, yeah. and here's how I'll do it. Yeah. But I've grown up on stage, and so you know, little thing. I've done dance training, which shows you right. how to have you know productive tension in your body, and and I noticed that sort of stuff on stage. It's like be intentional. You're on you're on stage. Your body's different when you're on stage right. than when you're not on stage. You know those things those things change. Have you ever had training about? Linking movement with breath, yoga, uh huh, Alexander uh-huh. technique, uh huh, yeah, yeah. And I think about your family too. Like my experience of both of your parents is that they're very present people. That when you know when I'm with them, they'll be listening, yeah, intently and curious and engaging. And and you know, I just imagine that kind of rubs off on you. And as your little kid, you yeah. kind of taking that in. But so it's it's interesting. Where did where did your presence come from? Yeah. You know, and yeah, what would, if you were to play with this and sort of add it, would it disrupt it? You know, would it kind of interrupt your natural flow? Probably. Or would it make it stronger? Or would it be a temporary disruption and then, you know, yeah. so you'd have more available to you? Yeah. 
interesting notion. It's funny. I've been told by strangers that they've noticed me in conversation. Mm-hmm. You have amazing expressions. Mm-hmm. You're so fun to watch. Like when I don't know that I'm being watched, you know, right. like I'm just in conversation, like a server came over mm-hmm. and made that comment once. And I was like, wow, uh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what, yeah. And the other thing is, this is, I was in Ashland with Rebecca Stockley. This has actually happened a couple of times when I've been watching theater. Right. And the actors in the show will cross paths later after afterwards. So in Ashland, it's like this theater festival, and there's yes. actors everywhere and audience everywhere. There's theaters, you know. So it's just this like small town filled with theater consumers and theater makers. And so it's not unusual that you would cross paths with somebody who was in the show that you saw that morning. And the actors <laughs> have been like, you were great this morning. And I'm like, I was great. I, you were great. You and were he was like, it was, You were a fantastic audience member. Like, it That's was really wild. fun. You know, and we were close up so that they could right. see us, but... It's kind of a funny. Yeah, I mean, and part of that, some of that expressiveness is, and is, involvement yeah. and uh, but I, joy. I think like some of it is your your hair and your height, right? Visible, like your signature signature look, right? But then I think yes, I think it's got to be yeah. when you're paying attention, you're like locked in, and they can feel it. But I think a lot of it is is is, is, is outward expressiveness. Mm. My face moves a lot. Mm-hmm. If I'm into it, you can tell on my face that I'm into it. Right. I, I'm not sure that they would notice if I kind of sat highly engaged with a stone face. Yeah. Like there's a lot of like right. exp- expression. Yeah. There's an op- there's an openness and a relaxation and a freedom of movement yeah. and involvement that you have in your facial. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Another of the super cool things that we did when I was in New York City was that we were talking about presence as it relates to the group. Mm. And so, you know, when I, before I've thought about like, okay, how do I care to myself? What am I giving off? How are people seeing me? Yeah. And we spent a lot of time talking about ensemble and what, what does ensemble mean? And, you know, that an ensemble is a group of people who are choosing to be present with each other. Mm, I love that. Yeah. And so it's like, if everybody's in second circle with each other, how does that affect the group? And now what's possible? Yeah. And we did a couple exercises that were just astounding. Um, one of them was she had us standing in a circle and everybody was in second circle and she had us close our eyes and she walked around as she was talking and she said, I'm going to tap somebody on the shoulder and that person is going to put their body into a first circle posture or a third circle posture or maybe step out of the circle a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I want them to do it quietly. And she's, she's you know, walking around. We don't know who she's tapping. And then after she's done, you know, a minute or so of this kind of decoying, she says, okay, now with your eyes closed, I want you to point to where in the circle is this person who's not in second circle presence with your eyes closed. And so everybody points somewhere. And she says, okay, keep your hands pointed and then now open your eyes. And like 75% of us were pointing to the person wow. who was not in, in that presence. Wild. It's like we could feel... And, you know, one of my buddies was like, that is... isn't that where, like, we heard somebody shuffle? Like, I right. don't know, maybe. Yeah. But for the amount, it was like the whole group knew. Yeah. And after we did this, these exercises, you know, she's, Patsy Rodenberg is very strict about, like, you don't have your phone on, you're not taking notes, be here. Yeah. And if you... Be present. If you're rustling or you're getting up to go to the bathroom, she's like, don't get up to go to the bathroom during when I'm working with somebody. Mm-hmm. Go in between and wait until I'm done working with that person and then come back in, mm-hmm. right? But 
I could feel if somebody checked their phone, it was like they're 10 feet away. They just look at their phone for 10 seconds, put away. It was like this disturbance in the force. Wow. Because it felt really heightened. Yeah. You know? That's amazing. So cool. That's amazing. And and now I'm aware of, you know, I love taking notes when I'm in this kind of workshop because I want to remember. Yeah. But I notice if I pull out to take notes, I'm no longer present. You've pulled out. Yeah. And... So, okay, well... Because where you are is in the future, hoping you don't forget it later. You're not right. just experiencing it. It's the same... That, yeah. But, that, 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 but the, the big rub here is that that has an impact on other people. On the group, yep. It, it draws down the vitality of the and moment. power yeah. of the moment for the entire group. Wow, yeah. You know, and so I want to be part of a group that chooses to be present with each other. Yeah. Regularly. Yeah. And chooses to be in second circle. And then when we're in second circle with each other, we notice, is somebody hurting? Is somebody particularly excited? Why so? How so? What's that about? Can we share that with each other and, mm-hmm. and draw on it? You know, Having a different kind of sensitivity. Yeah. You know, a, a refined sensitivity. There was, another, there was another thing from the workshop that I thought was really cool that I wanted to get your take on, which is, so it was a heightened language of Shakespeare workshop. So we each had learned a Shakespearean monologue or soliloquy. Sometimes people call it a speech. I thought that was kind of interesting. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like speeches. But when we were doing that, Patsy kept coaching people to say, you have to remember that this character doesn't know what they're going to say. Yeah. That if you're like three lines ahead of yourself... I love that. You're not present with what the character's saying. Right. And it... It was kind of like a mind blower to me. Like, of course that's true. And yet when we learn lines for a show, we know the whole story. We know what's going to unfold. But to then inhabit the position within that character's mind of, I don't know what's coming. So I'm just saying these words as if I'm discovering them. Yeah. It completely transformed how I delivered my monologue. Cool. Uh, and it made it much more emotional because now I was doing uh, Richard II and he's kind of, unraveling a little bit and the first time I delivered it it was more like poetry and regal like he knew what he was doing and he's confronting his he own orating. mortality yeah yeah and I delivered it fine and it was engaged and I was kind of in a good presence I had good breath but then she kept pushing me and and the last time I did it, it was it felt very I felt like a bit overwrought and I felt like I got out of my lower breath and I got up into my chest but then I when I did that, I said to everybody, was that not too much? And they were like, oh, my God, no. That was so powerful. And I said, yeah, I felt so breathless. And she said, he would. That's the thing. He's mm-hmm. getting, he's getting, he's realizing these things that are upsetting him. So, of course, he would be getting upset. Yeah. And he would be sounding upset. Yeah. Like, oh. But that. Your body needs to be his body. Because I was, because I was staying with each thing as it unfolded rather than having projected forward in the, in the monologue or the soliloquy. Such a cool notion. I know, you know, they say the best improv looks scripted and the best scripted theater looks improvised. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're doing it really well, an improv audience will be like, I, sw- I would swear that you had a script. I would swear that you knew what was coming next. Mm-hmm. And that if you're doing theater really well, it feels like the first time any of these people are saying these words. Yeah. yeah. Have you, is that something that you've worked with before in your theater work? Yeah, scripted yeah. Scripted theater work, that kind yeah. of dynamic of 
stay with the line like don't get ahead of the line i don't know that i've worked on it that exact way but the mm -hmm. idea of like every moment needs to be motivated by what is happening now it can't mm -hmm. just be you can't just be going through it because you know how this scene goes right you and now is the part i act sad and now is the part i act whatever mm -hmm. but like really like what is it in what that person just said that makes you want to say this next thing you yes. know like everything needs to be tied to a living something that is alive in the actors right now right yeah and surprising them it's surprising they're surprising themselves with what they say and I do think that this is why this is why i feel like every acting school should have improv training mm -hmm. because it gives you a very real experience of what that actually feels like mm -hmm. in an intentional way of d building relationships and developing scenes and not knowing what's going on really not knowing what's going right. on right <laughs> yeah yeah and then i would say every school of life should have an acting and improv <laughs> component to component, it. Yeah. this so rich and immediately transferable to yeah. how am I being with this person in my life? Yeah. Am I predicting what's coming up? Do I think I know where this conversation is going? Right. Or am I hanging with it as it's happening? Hey, here's a question. Well, it seems to me that, that you can't really be, mm, I think that there's an inverse proportionality to your awareness of how present you're being and your presence. You know, oh, nice conundrum here, yes. Because right? if you're because if I'm sitting there being like my breath is good and my weight is good, then I'm not noticing anything around me. Like I'm only noticing me. I'm present with like what's going on in my in myself, but I'm yeah. not like right that presence that you're talking about of being connected and engaged and like right there and dynamic and in in tune and in touch. I think goes away the minute we become aware of how present we are. Yeah, so here's, I mean, it's like meditation. Well, you're right. So it's like one of the things that we we could talk about is how wide is our focus. Right, and so I think sometimes mindfulness people conflate mindfulness with concentration, uh -huh. and so in in the dot B training for teens, we talk about spotlight of attention, and so how narrow is it or how wide is it? If I'm honing it down to just focusing on my breath, I'm being aware in that moment of my breath, and I'm holding using that as an anchor, and then I could expand that out to say my breath in my body, or now let's include the sounds in the room, or let's include the patterns of my thoughts, what thoughts are passing through. So th that's concentration, how wide or narrow is the, is the spotlight. And a mindfulness is more of a peripheral thing. Like mm -hmm. what's everything that's happening right now? Yeah. And I am one of the thing that's things that's happening. I, I'm and part of it. Everything else is yeah. happening too. And, but there's also this dynamic of the observer could be Removes you from... a removal, yeah. but it could also be a, just a noticing. So it's like, how far back does the observer get, right? So it's, I'm pausing enough to actually experience something, to savor something, to slow something down. Mm. So like when I'm having a, a square of chocolate, do I just pop it in my mouth and chew it and swallow it? Or do I stop and notice? And there it is. And explore the experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you need, so I mean, it feels kind of like you need to have moments of, Moments of well-directed intentionality, mm -hmm. but it can't all, I feel like it can't always be right. Like, like, so you pop the chocolate in your mouth and there needs to be a moment where you go, enjoy this. So you slow it down and you, enjoy, right. and, you and you do. But does, does the awareness bring you back into the experience or does, or does it, it hold or you or does out, it distance removed? you from it? Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And, and my, like, I, you, you get wrapped up in whether like in the, the excellent quality of your enjoyment of the thing rather than the enjoyment of it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, and for me, it's there are two components. One is to be here in time, mm -hmm. 
experiencing it. And then the other is to not be in my thoughts about it. So, you know, is am I in my thinking mode where I'm evaluating, planning, judging, you know, uh, concerning, right? Or am I sensing it? Am I feeling my feelings or am I noticing what my fingers are experiencing or what wind pattern is moving across my face like the physical sensation experience yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which can only happen right now that's right and the same you know that's why breath is so important in meditation because mm-hmm. breath is always happening now yeah right if you're paying attention to what it is right now mm-hmm. so that's you know but yeah you're talking about you're pointing out this paradox or tension or are we so mindful that we're not present in our experience anymore? Yeah, exactly. And I'd say, if we're is it not... okay to get swept into a moment right. and not, not be paying attention at all to how right. you are experiencing the moment? Right. You know, and so I guess that's like moments of intentional awareness around how you're approaching an experience and then just be... And just let go. Well, let's let go. Right. Yeah. But, and maybe that's, maybe that's part of the creating new defaults, conscious competence... When yes. do you when do you need to be less aware of it because it's happening naturally and right and like how often are the do the signposts happen yeah right so it's like okay I'm gonna dive into this experience and not try to be mindful not try to be I'm just gonna do it yeah but after thirty minutes I'm gonna ding yeah, ring I a just, bell I'm like okay am I here or bringing me back yeah have I actually charted off into some other territory now I'm thinking about right, right, three right. years from now and what this could oh like let me come back yeah. And I'll do another half hour of just going in. Yeah. And maybe early on with the practice, it's like, well, rather than taking half an hour, I'm going to do it every minute. Yeah. And then over time, I'm, for me, the ideal is that it happens so regularly and so fluidly that it it's no longer toggling back and forth. Yeah. It's just a way of being. Yeah. It's all there. It all blends together. Yeah. But it can be kind of awkward and clunky at the beginning, mm-hmm. you know. I think about that a lot with love, this Buddhist value of non-attachment. You know, suffering comes through attachment to wanting things to be a certain way. Well, like, what does it mean to, to love somebody, to commit to them, and to cherish a particular connection and to really dig into that is if you let go of attachment, do you let go of that quality or that enjoyment that comes out of attachment right. a little bit, you know? Right, yeah. And, you know, I, I think Buddhism would say, well, you can have that kind of love in any moment. It doesn't need to be tied up to a certain person or tied up to a certain form. And I'm not sure I'm totally down with that. I think there's something else that comes from well, maybe allowing a, the attachment. But maybe there's, maybe the attachment is to that thing sticking around. So right. it's not that you can't fully enjoy the fact that it's like, you're so into this person right? and the joy that it's bringing you and the pain comes from, and I expect this to just be the way it is forever, forever or for the next, however long, right. you know, right. in the next moment. Right. So, so that I feel like we mentioned this on a podcast before there was a, a book that said, if you want, you know, we are going to the ice cream shop and you really want this flavor don't fight the fact that you have that. Like, like, don't get attached to not wanting something. Right. You know, like, let yes. your preference be there and let your joy be there and let your pain be there and yeah. just don't be attached to it needing to be a certain way. Right, yeah. You know, but then it starts to kind of fold in on itself and it's hard to, like, well, then what are we talking about then? If everything <laughs> can just be how it is. I know. You know. 
oh, this stuff is like, this is where Zen koans come in because yeah. like they short circuit the intellectual mind and then you have to just kind of find some other way to just be present with what is. With that paradox or whatever, yeah. 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 I find it, I find it thrilling to work on being more present and to learn, to notice that I'm becoming more present in my yeah. life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to see the, the impact it has on the people around me. What have you noticed? Well, I notice when I'm teaching that my students feel more comfortable than they used to. And I have fewer um, ego battles with students. Uh-huh. Because I feel like they know that I see them and I'm, I'm curious about them. And, and I get less tired in my teaching than oh. I used to. Um, I have more fun. I think I smile more. And then, um, yeah, when I get feedback at the end of a training, or it just it has a different depth to it. Yeah. You know, this, this mindfulness training I just led in, in Miami, somebody said, you know, uh, I've never felt so accepted and inspired mm. in, an, in an educational setting. You know, I think that was because of the way we were holding, my partner Sharice and I were holding the space and just being present for them. Yeah. You know, that psychologists, doctors, people in healing professions, apparently there's research to show that the, the quality that makes a difference for that patient's healing is, is the caretaker present with, fully present with them while they're having their talk therapy, their acupuncture, their checkup, whatever it is, is that person there? That is a stunning finding. Mm-hmm. The, the key variable, just to have another person say, I'm here with you, for you. I see you. I, I hear you. I, yep. I care about you. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to be in the world with you in this moment in time, as fleeting as it might be. That has a healing quality just to yeah. itself. Yeah. Oh, I love Doesn't that. Doesn't it make you feel like... We're spending resources on a lot of wrong things. Yes. <laughs> well, and that's if kind the, of been... If the thing that makes the difference is feeling seen and witnessed and cared for, like, let's just all get better at that. That's exactly the take I've been trying for with my professional development, with my career. And sometimes I doubt myself and I think I should be getting this skill and this skill and this skill. But what I have been working on over the last five or six years is take care of your presence Get yourself better at being present and trust the rest to unfold the way yeah, it will. Yeah, that's cool. Very improvisational. Some days I think I'm doing well with that, other days not. But I feel like I'm better at being present than I was five years ago. Mm-hmm. And I have more fun and I'm more relaxed with my days now yeah, yeah, yeah. than I have been. Even though, you know, there's lots of ways I'm not satisfied. I want things to be different and I can be with that dissatisfaction yeah. or wanting in a different way. Aspiration versus acceptance. Ah, uh, episode two, five, four, something, something like, that. like yeah. that. Yeah. So, all right. Anything else you want to say about? Uh, presents? It feels like we've. It feels like we've wrapped it up. Yeah. Nothing more now. Yeah. <laughs> I like present people. Mm-hmm. I like Who's... people who seem like they're right there with you right away. Yeah. I think you got to be present in order to play. Mm. I don't, yes. I, like I think playful is a is an inherently present. Yeah. It it, it takes a. It requires presence. Yes. We talked about that last night in my mindfulness class. We did a game where we were tossing a ball back and forth. And at the end, I said, was anybody thinking about other things during when we did this game? Yeah. And everybody was like, no. It was all, you know, nobody's thinking about their schedule or you can't take their kids somewhere else. Or, you yeah. Know, yeah. It was all there. 
Cool. Well, all right. Well, so people, we're glad you're here with us in this moment right now. <laughs> you're hearing our voices right now. Yes. Even though... You might also be washing your dishes or... I, yeah. Something else. All sorts of possibilities. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Pleasure to have you with us as well. Get present. As always. And uh, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. So there it is, episode number 24. Number 24, celebrating our one-year-old one, one monster baby. Potiversary. Yeah. A potiversary. A potiversary. Potiversary. <laughs> potiversary. Um, thank you so much for listening, it's a, as always. Yeah, it's a, it's an honor to have you uh, checking in with us. Yeah. Lisa, tell me, what are you taking away from that conversation? What's sticking with you? Hmm. I'm reminded, I, I think it's interesting, the idea of changing the environment of your body to change what happens inside it. Mm-hmm. And I like that. And the idea of being intentional about how being how present you are so that you can stop being intentional about it. I feel that, I know there's, yeah, that part feels yeah. important that like we can't just examine ourselves and how present we're being or we've completely missed the point. Right. I, I'm, that's what's resonating for me is that tension between Again, kind of as we've talked about before, aspiring or accepting, like I'm, I'm wanting to change my default. So it's going to take conscious effort and I might stumble around and be awkward a bit, but then hopefully over time it's developing into something that creates a new way of being. That, and it doesn't take intention anymore. That's right. Yeah. And I'm still, I, I'm still digging this notion of what does it mean to be present as a group. Yeah, I I'm love that. Really, more, really excited to explore that more in our work. Yeah, I, it feels like that might be an unseen factor that plays on so many things, so many dynamic relationship dynamics, mm-hmm. ways that groups work together, ways that teams work together. Is are we in, are we in this in the same way? Are we all de- are committed, we committed to being yep. into in this? whether it's at work or a hobby or whatever, yeah. and that if something is out of whack in that direction, it can throw, really throw things. As a, as a teacher and a, maybe a group leader, if I'm pulling together an improv team or whatever team, watching Patsy Rodenberg teach, she's a taskmaster about that. She is super disciplined and ferocious about protecting that safe space. Mm-hmm. She says, I'm gonna forgive any mistake you make because that's part of the learning process but I will be ferocious about protecting our safe space. Yeah. You need to be present. Yeah, that's great. And so I, I, I'm inspired to be more ferocious that way. Yeah, super you know, cool. Like, get here, be here. Be here, all the way. For us. Yeah. Because what we're gonna experience together is different if we can do that. Yeah, I love it. So, cool. Great, so, yeah. If you wanna, got any thoughts for us, questions, uh, comments, Info at monsterbabypodcast.com. You can include questions for Simon and Puck. They have a lot to say. They will... When they wake up, they'll be full of full of insights. They'll let you know. Info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Yep. You can get either one of us. And our retreat is in June, in Maine, June 9 to 13. 9 to 14. 9 to 14. In a beautiful place. Uh, just gorgeous on the coast of Maine. Come on, summertime. Come on, baby. Come be playful and mindful with us. Yeah. We will t- uh, we'll play with presents, and, and you'll leave feeling expanded well maybe you feel expanded but yeah. we don't want to promise too much we can't promise and if you uh, if you're enjoying this and you'd be willing to if you can go to iTunes leave us a review there that'd be awesome yeah um, and you can come join us on our follow us on our Facebook page and Twitter and oh my gosh there's just so many so many things you can do but, right. uh, find us we'll, we'll reach let, out let's let these people go let them go 
let my people go. We'll see you next time, everybody. Thanks so much. Ciao. Bye.